the kind of skill set I have is very uncommon. And that's what probably makes it very valuable. Welcome to the Creative Chats Podcast with Mike Brennan. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Creative Chats. It's the podcast for artist makers and content creators where we talk about creativity, the creative process, and story. I'm your host, Mike Brennan. You can connect with me over on Instagram. I'm at Mike Bone. And you can check out some of my work on my website, which is MikeBrennan.me. Also, I would love for you to join us in our free Facebook group called Daily Creative Habit. Simply go to dailycreativehabit.com. It will forward you right to the request page for the group. And you can join in other creatives of all types of creative expressions who are raising their hands saying, I want to show up more consistently for my creativity and craft. So if that's you, we would love to have you as part of that group. There are some people who are showing up again and again, really making traction on their creative goals and a lot of encouragement as well. And as you well know, we can all use as much encouragement as possible these days. So head on over to dailycreativehabit.com and I look forward to seeing you there. Now for this week's episode, I get to sit down and talk with a new friend, Anya Marcos. And Anya is uh, a creative who has a lot of things in common with my own journey. Uh, as we talked, there were just several moments where we were just nodding our heads in agreement uh, in some of the things we've experienced coming out of certain backgrounds uh, of design and telling ourselves that we couldn't do certain things or the people around us were saying choose things that were more practical. Um, I hope that you walk away from this conversation realizing that, you know, it's easy to look at somebody's journey from the outside and think, wow, you know, they had this great master plan. Look at all the things they've accomplished. Look at the things they've done and uh, the, the opportunities they're a part of. I wish that would happen for me. And, and how do I even go about orchestrating that kind of thing? Well, most often, it's just simply somebody taking the right next step. It's their preparedness meeting opportunity, right? They're showing up, they're doing the work, they're figuring things out as they go, and they're adapting and changing. And that's the same with Anya today in our conversation. She shares how you know, she's had uh, this journey that at times is filled with with some pitfalls too, some burnout and some really hard times, but how even those moments kind of uh, set her up for a lot of the things she's doing today in helping some other creatives. Anya is an incredible illustrator herself. She's a, a artist storyteller. Um, she is a um, she's an art director at Etcher Labs, which is uh, an amazing company that has all sorts of products to help artists and as well she's a host of make more art podcast uh from etcher lab so be sure to check that out and um be encouraged by this conversation we really try to be as authentic as possible and conversational you know that's that's what i love to do on these creative chats is just sit down with someone as if we were sitting over coffee and talking about what our journeys have looked like, what the experiences have looked like, how they've shaped where we are now, and maybe even where we're going. And we all have a story to tell. And this is Anya's. So without further ado, here is my creative chat with Anya Marcos. Hey! 
everyone. Welcome to the Creative Chats podcast. I'm excited to talk to you today, a fellow visual artist. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. This is exciting. Yeah. So um, I would love for you just to start with who you are, what you do, just to give context for people who are listening today. Of course. Um, and this is a, an interesting question because uh, just this week I was talking to my husband about, I don't know what to tell people when they ask me what I do for a living. And then I started <laughs> describing all the tasks I do at work and the stuff I do for myself. And my husband was like, that's your daily tasks. That's not your job. So your yeah. job, I think it's this. And I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. It's weird. I feel so conceited. So <laughs> Technically, after this long conversation with my husband, uh, I am the art director for Etra Lab and also their podcast producer. So fellow podcasters and yeah. artists, yay. Uh, which means I do a lot of random <laughs> tasks. Okay, not random, but um, at Etra, I not only take care of the podcast, I also, uh, we have our own live events and I help uh, coordinate the hosting for that. We have art products and I give the yes or the no and I, I recommend the design route that the, the products should take. So it's along those lines, not to go into, you know, here are all the lists of all the things I do every day, but sure. overall it's that. Outside of, of my work, I am working on my own uh, children's books. Uh, I'm I'm an artist as well. So when I have a little bit of free time, I try to uh, put my energy into my art. Yeah, and I think that's like a lot of artists and creative people. It's it's a friend of mine calls it the comma job, you know, because you're not just really one thing. You're kind of many things, or there's many expressions, many interests, and that kind of all blends together to kind of make up who you are, what you do. Uh, and sometimes it's a little fluid, you know, it, it can change from yeah. season to season too sometimes. So appreciate you just taking the time to unpack that a little bit for us. And, um, I'm excited to dive into your journey a little bit. I know we've, we've talked a little bit before this. Uh, so I know there's some, uh, similarities in our paths and interests. Um, but, uh, it's going to be good to get into that again here. So, um, I'd love to know, when did you know that you were a creative person? Like, was this something as a child, you were very much into drawing and painting and all, all the usual things? Yeah, very typical uh, kid artist. I always loved art. My mom uh, always enjoyed art as well, even though her job is not artistic. She always made sure we had room for art experiments at home because she really loved it as well. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I can't remember what is my earliest artistic memory, but I do remember when I was about six or so, uh, my mom turning to me and, and saying, oh, do you want to help me just decorate my own bedroom? Cause I'm moving the, the bed and I just started running and I run out of the house because without her knowing I was, uh, painting a full world under her bed on the wall. So oh the goodness. minute she would move her bed out of the wall, she would see that everything was painted. <laughs> so I just run for my life. Fortunately, she was not too mad. She thought it was hilarious, but uh, I did have to clean all of that up. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you get, you have to be creative, right? It has to come out somehow. Yeah. yeah. So did you then know that like, I'm, I'm assuming as time went on, you just continued to, uh, engage with that part of yourself? And then was it something that 
you knew, hey, this is what I want to go to school for and do for a living or yeah. what did that look like? Yeah, so in so I'm Portuguese. I live in Portugal. And in here, when you get to high school at age 15, you have to select a field to to specialize in. And it was either science or art or economics or sports or whatever. And I did want to go to art. My mom did not forbid me to go to art, but she tried to strongly oppose that idea yeah. because if you go to art, then you have to have an art-related job. And sweetie, everyone knows there are no such thing <laughs> as good paying art jobs. Yeah. You're going to end up on the streets doing caricatures or something because that's what we saw. It never occurred to me that artists also make movies and series and a bunch of everything that makes our daily lives. So I was a little bit nervous to go with my gut, but it was the first time that I was able to stand my ground and say, no, I do not want to go to science. My mom was like, you go to science and you can pick like something art related, related later, like mm -hmm. architecture, that's a real job. So you can <laughs> go to science and then, you know, do like the exam for geometry or something and go for architecture. And I'm like, even if I do end up going for architecture, I think art history is really important and I don't have that in science and I want to draw and I, I want to learn more about art and I really don't enjoy science that much. Uh, so it was the first time I told my mom, no, that's not what I want to do. This is what I really want. And after she saw how focused I was, she's like, okay, I'm backing off. If you really want to do that, go, go, go ahead. We'll figure it out what you'll do in college later. So high school is three years. At the end of my third year, I still have had no idea what I wanted to do because the internet was still not what it is today. A library did not have the resources I needed. And I was a little bit lost and I didn't, I didn't know who to ask, like, what can I do with, you yeah. know, an art degree and what kind of art degrees are there? So a teacher from high school saw me panicking and he reached out to me and said, Hey, how about you go for graphic design? It's creative, you have a knack for it, and uh, it does have a job, a corporate job, so why not do that? And from a young age, I really also enjoy to work in a team setting. Uh, I like to coordinate the troops, uh, like some people say it, and I really, I, I loved to get things moving forward within a team. So he's like, yeah, graphic design, designers can work in teams, corporate might be a good fit for you, so why don't you try that? So I was so happy that there was something that I was, you know, at least interested in that kind of paired up with uh, what I've been studying that I delved right into that. I applied for a graphic design uh, course at university and I got in. It was a three-year course. So I graduated when I was 21, 20, 20. And then I started my own company with, at the time, my boyfriend. Now he's my husband and he's a software engineer. So he, we decided that we would pair up software engineering with graphic design. And, and I'm saying graphic design, but it was actually communication design. So I learned everything between graphic design to web design and mm -hmm. editorial design. So I, I had the basics of a little bit of everything. And we ended up doing websites and we both hated it. <laughs> so that's how we started in the world, like the real adult world. And I really didn't like it. Uh, I was there for three years. Um, 
should I like go on and tell you my full journey? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I feel like I'm boring everyone to death. No, right no, now. you know it, uh, it, it's in in the details of our story. A lot of times is where people find just the place where they resonate, and they're like, you know what, I'm. I thought I was alone in that, but yet here's someone who maybe lives in a completely different place than me, and um, they've had a similar experience, or this is something they're going through now, and they're hearing your story, and they're like, thank you, thank you for sharing this. Yeah, that's true. Thank you for thank you. For- for saying it out loud that 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 helps so yeah so moving going forward uh, we we did invest a lot of time and energy into the company we hired more people um and that's how i discovered that even though graphic design and editorial and web design was fun and i loved web design the most even though it was fun it was not something i woke up feeling eager to do and dealing with clients Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) trying to explain to them how it works it was just so exhausting and I was so annoyed and frustrated so many times that I'm like okay this is not what I'm cut out to do the the thing I love the most about that job was that I had a team that I could coordinate and we could do fun things together but that was not enough yeah so that's my husband at the time, boyfriend, he also did not enjoy web because he's not, uh, he's a backend developer. So he likes to do pure coding for apps and stuff like that. Yeah. So nothing to do with web <laughs> at all. And he was also taking care of clients and finding new clients. And, you know, he's your usual coder. He's not, he's not happy dealing with a lot of people. So I left the company because even though we did try to, code a game together. Uh, it's a lot of work to do a game, just the two of us, it's just too much. Yeah. So I ended up leaving the company first and I started working at an online school uh, for artists. So it was more focused for artists. And that was really interesting to me because since I le- since I had left high school, I never had any contact with fellow artists anymore. I completely do- dropped art for how long? Like five years? Mm-hmm something along those lines. At least five years, I was not making any art. And digital art was a thing, and I have no idea what that was. So I first joined that school as a student to learn more about digital art. And because I like I liked to talk to everyone and start meeting everyone and, and just doing things everywhere, I eventually ended up working there. And I worked there for three to four years. And I learned a lot about the art industry, the animation industry. I I found out what visual development was, what comic storyboarding, all of these jobs and how everything works. And uh, I met a lot of people in the industry. I went to the United States. I went to CTNX. I met a lot of people. Um, And I, I did many things at that school and I learned a lot of what I know today. So that was the foundation that I needed to just understand what kind of skills are there and what I want to grow. So by being there, not only I developed my networking skills and my leadership skills, I also learned about podcasting, how to produce a podcast, how to edit a podcast, what is it like to work with sound, with video, with more about photography, how to do proper interviews, do's and don'ts and social media and community management. I took a huge course on community management. I discovered I loved it. Um, And By doing so many different jobs in that school, I ended up interviewing, at the time, the founder of what is today Etcher Lab. Uh, And I get get to, so I got to know Darren Yao. So he was the creator of 
of Etcher alongside Simon and Jan. So those three are the co-founders. And Etcher Lab started as a bag company, and we can talk more about that later. But I met them because I was interviewing them for the school show. So when I left that school three to four years later, uh, and I, I made a point to email everyone I had I was in touch with because they knew my school email, of course, and just like, hey, uh, we were having a, at the time that Etcher and the school had a partnership going on and I was in charge of that partnership. So of course I emailed everyone that had any open, uh, open loops with the school just to let them know that I was going out and to pass them along to whatever colleague was taking care of the project. And they reached out to me saying, hey, you're leaving. Uh, do you have anything that you'd like to do? We are looking for someone with your profile. Would you like to come work for us? And ever since then, so I think it's three years this year or four, I don't know, pandemic kind of messed up years for me, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, three, four years now that I'm with them and, and I'm really enjoying it. So yeah, that's I, I my journey. No, you know what? And I love that there's something in there that people can really pay attention to, which is you kept showing up and engaging and one opportunity opened a door for some for the next opportunity, um, and you mm -hmm. you have the ability to step into things and meet people. And I know some somebody may be listening. They're like, "Okay, I'm an introvert. I, I find it very difficult to you know talk to people and not be socially awkward or to take advantage of those opportunities." But I think the more that we can learn to, in whatever way is authentic to who we are, do that to, to connect with people. Um, you know, you doing podcasts and interviewing people that, and I'm sure we could talk more about this even, but even from my experience has been, that is something that, that creates relational opportunities as well, because you're, you're just talking with somebody, you're interviewing them and you may not have had any other reason to talk to that person, right? Normally, like mm -hmm. I've talked to people on this podcast and I'm like, I'm a fan of their work, but that doesn't, that's not enough. Like I can't just be like, Hey, can I just call you and, and talk to you and just tell you how much a fan of your work I am? Like <laughs> that makes yeah. me sound like, you know, some kind of stalker weirdo creepo guy or something. Right. Yeah. But yet if I have a <laughs> podcast, I can say, Hey, would you love to be on my show? I'd love to highlight you. I'd love to, to talk about, you yeah. know, your journey and what you're doing and, and how that can help some other people. And then suddenly that's okay. Then, um, you know, it's no longer a creepo guy. Um, yeah. So I think having those opportunities, creating those relationships in those contexts uh, is huge. And, and it's not nowhere in your story did I hear. And then you sat back and waited for something to fall in your lap, you know? Exactly. And I'm glad you're bringing that up. And I just want to add to what you said that even if you do not have a podcast, you can be writing a blog and you can just call someone for to interview them for the blog because, yeah. you know, that's also a reason too. So you don't have to have a podcast to reach out. There are so many ways to reach out and not sound like a creep, <laughs> but sure. People are somewhat, so we have the introverts and we have the extroverts and we have all the gray in between. So it's not black or white. It's sure. somewhere in the gray. I'm more of an extrovert than I am an introvert, but I do enjoy my own alone time. Um, and I know a bunch of introverts that also enjoy, you know, having a uh, hanging out with people. So it, it's a gray area Yeah. and people's skills. It's called a skill because for a reason, so skills, can be developed and nurtured. So if people's skill is a skill, then you can get better at it, even if you are an introvert. So 
my husband is an introvert if we have to go black or white and I'm more of an extroverted person. Sure. Um, when both of us, when we were kids, we were both people's people. We, when he was a kid, his mom told me a bunch of stories of him just, you know, talking to people in the middle of the streets, not being afraid of asking questions, but all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but somewhere along the line, he started to be more introverted and he's getting a bit more extroverted now again. Because so he's been fluctuating and he he's been forcing himself to come out of his shell and he's way more extroverted now than he was before because he's been putting in the effort. And somewhere along the lines when he was a kid, we all go through a shy stage. I think I remember when being outside with my mom and I wanted to know something about a store and I asked my mom to ask the lady because my mom's a super extrovert. And my mother looked at me and said, no, I'm not asking anything. You want to know, you go ahead and you ask her. And I was panicking. I'm like, oh my God, I have to ask her. And I was like, what's wrong with you now? You always had, you know, never had any issues. So now you have to go, okay, I'm making you do this. And she pushed me. And ever since then, something unlocked for me and it was much easier. Of course, if I spend a long amount of time not talking to people that has happened before, all of a sudden it becomes so hard and such a struggle and consumes all of my energy to do it. But that just proves my point, right? So it's something that you can slowly and gradually train. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, and and I was the same as a kid. I was painfully shy. Like I would get embarrassed when people would call too much attention to me, and just feel like I wanted <sighs> to just like shut down. Um, and it was it, it, you're right. It's it's when you push yourself through situations and you 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 make yourself rise to the the occasion, um, and you keep doing that repeatedly. You you set yourself up with mm-hmm. little. Uh, challenges that make you grow. And I think that's true, not only in just people skills, but I think just in life in general, even in the yeah. the opportunities um, and, and the creative projects and things, there's always something that you haven't done before and something that seems kind of intimidating. And you either have a choice to say, well, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to ask a lot of questions. I'm going to make a lot of mistakes and be okay with that. And know that my first attempt at this is probably not going to be perfect. And it's probably not going to be what I maybe even envision it to be, but to be okay with that, because what you may end up taking away is what you've actually learned in the process. And then you can apply it again in the future, you know? Um, So yeah, all that stuff totally on board uh, for sure. (sighs) I'd love to to come back now, circle back to um, your you you made the transition to Etcher Labs, and mm-hmm. what did that look like in terms of um, so were there overlap as far as what you had previously learned, or were, was this now stepping into something even more that was stretching you and causing you to like go okay, um, I, I'm I'm in some. Uh, some uncharted territory that I need to figure some stuff out? Or was it just a a complete like, hey, I've been prepared for this and now this is a natural next step? Yeah, it was a little bit of both. Okay. So first of all, I need to give some context. So when I left that school, I was going through a huge burnout and I just had to stop working. At the same time, I was freaking out because oh my God, what am I going to do now? I felt like I knew a little bit about everything, but not a lot about one thing. So how could I possibly find a job with the current skill set I have? I mean, not in my country. It's mm. not common for people to have the skill set I have. And I did not see that. I see it. I saw it more as a liability than an actual 
something to be proud of. And of course, it was really scary for me. And I'm like, what I'm going to do now in terms of job, how I'm going to pay my bills. Uh, and when I started working for Etcher, I was just doing a few hours a week, which was perfect for me at the time because I needed time to recover. And uh, the job I first had with them was to be um, a PR. So I was reaching out to people, to influencers, and I, I just had to talk to people. I just had to reach out and say, hey, we're an art brand and we have this awesome bags for artists. And I knew the bags because I had backed them on Kickstarter and the bag was really good. And I just had to tell them why I thought the bags were great. And if they'd like to try one, uh, we would send it for them in exchange of exposure if they really, truly appreciated the bag. And when they explained that to me, I was really happy because I could immediately see that it was an honest brand. They were giving away their bags to people who had uh, a great reach in the art industry, but they would never ask anyone to you know, talk about the bag if they didn't like it. And they always refuse to pay for promotions. Like, no, we will give you the bag if you really like it. We would be happy if you talked about it to your following. If you don't like it, no problem. Friends as ever. So that made the whole thing much easier. I just had to be honest. And I just had, I was raving about a bag that I actually enjoyed. The most interesting thing happened that a few influencers got back to me and said, uh, you know, a lot of companies reach out to me, but it always feel like this markety kind of sticky yeah. kind of communication. But with you, I feel like if you lived here, we would just hang out and go to the movies together. Yeah. Note before pandemic. Uh, <laughs> so that made me feel really happy. And I started to say, okay, I, I do have people skills and I'm not trying to have people skills. I'm totally just being who I am. And well, it works. And I started learning more about marketing then. Um, so at the beginning, it was just that. Uh, slowly, it started to consume more time. And I started to have more responsibility where I was doing photo shoots for the product. So photography was something I knew. I was doing a marketing plan for launches of new products. So from a bag-only company, we started making other products. And I was giving my two cents. And I'm like, oh, my God, I... I'm creating a sketchbook with them. Like I'm, I'm giving information about what makes a good sketchbook what, because the founders are not artists. So I was their only artist back, that, back then. Mm. Now it's a huge, huge, I mean, comparing, like it was three of us or four and now it's over 30 people working there. And it grew a lot for these past three or so years. And I was developing art products and I was giving, um, I was giving feedback on what kind of paper was was best. And of course, we also had professional artists partnering with us to make sure the products were great. But all of a sudden, I was given a responsibility that even though it was different, it felt very natural to me and I knew what I was doing. And marketing strategy was so easy to me. I didn't even realize that was a skill set you had to nurture. I hadn't realized that I've been nurturing it all along. It only dawned upon me when we we hired help and I'm like, okay, we need to come up with the marketing plan to launch this. Oh, I have some ideas. And I start talking about how we could make it fun for our audience and our community. And then my colleague was like, you just like in five minutes blabbering, you just threw out a full <laughs> consistent marketing plan for this. How on earth did you do that? I'm like, oh, did, did I do that? Okay. Well, problem solved. Next task. So I did not, I, I was not able to see back then that I, I learned so much and I was able to do so much and those were actual valuable skills. So, you know, I've been learning to 
give myself more credit, I guess. Mm, yeah. Sometimes there's things that we're so close to that we don't realize they actually have value. You know, mm -hmm. it's for us, it's just oh, that thing. It's just something I do. I don't know. I don't really think about it. I just kind of do it. And other people are like amazed and they're like, well, I don't, I don't even understand how you think about that. I don't understand how that happens. That's like magic. Um, and so when you start to realize that and then you go, wow, yeah, I guess, I guess not everybody does that. I guess not everybody thinks about something like that. Yeah. Um, and then you exactly. realize that that's something that you can contribute and is, is a, uh, something you can really lean into and, and offer as a service or a value to other people for sure. Um, talk to me a little bit about like, what's the, the, the mission in the background of Atri Labs? Like what, you know, just so people have a better context of, of the company. Mm -hmm. um, Definitely. So one of the things I love about Etcher is their mission. And by mission, I mean the purpose they have for existing. So a lot of companies exist because they want to sell things, but that's not a purpose. Etcher exists because they truly want to make a good impression in the world. Uh, Etcher believes that art is essential to, to, to life. Uh, and I think everyone listening to this agrees art indeed is essential. So by believing in that, they want to make sure that artists have the tools, the right tools, the quality tools they need to make that art, to put more art in the world, because it truly makes the world a better place. And at the time that I joined, when I first joined the company, they quote unquote only had art bags. Uh, the problem they were solving with the bags was that, you know, if you, if you grab your art supplies, throw everything in your backpack, go out to paint, you see something, the time it takes you to get your art supplies and to actually yeah. start drawing is huge because everything is scattered around the yes. place and the bus comes and things fall down onto the ground. So they came up with this uh, bag collection that with just a few clicks, the bag turned into a table and you were able to draw and all of your art supplies were safely stored and easier to reach. So that was huge. and. After I started working there, we launched other products, like I mentioned, the sketchbooks and paints and palettes, but we don't do just paints or just another palette. So the palette we made in, in partnership with Stephanie Law, she's a brilliant watercolor artist. She had made that palette because she had an issue and she needed to solve it. So she did. She created her own palette. Her own audience loved it. So she started making the palette herself, but then she realized, man, this is a lot of work and it is to make a product, a physical product requires so many things that I didn't know before I joined Etcher. They taught me that and production process is huge. And it's, there's a lot of things that can go wrong and, you know, talking with manufacturers, getting the right molds. There's so many steps and uh, the, the two co-founders of Etcher, Simon and Jan, they come from a business background. They know how that works. They know how to optimize it. And they are giving their skills to artists like Stephanie Law or Erwin Liam, who created the perfect sketchbook. And Erwin had, you know, done what I consider to be the best sketchbook ever. He made the best sketchbook ever. And then he didn't produce it again because of all the the work that it goes into making one sketchbook. So he was like, I know you guys love the sketchbook. Thank you so much for backing up my, my Kickstarter and Indiegogo, but it's done. So that's when Etcher came in 
And we made a partnership with each one of them to keep those items alive and in production. And we still have them because they have the capacity to keep that alive and it actually solving problems for the art community. Mm. So that's the kind of products they make. The watercolor set, it's not just more paints. I mean, I was talking to them and said, I love watercolor, but it took me a while to actually get into it because I did not have the right watercolor pans and I had no idea that, you know, pigment and the kind of um, the, what you use to get the pigment working, everything. It's just, there are so many things you can use and it's so easy to make bad paint. And then because you're using bad paint, the result is not the result you want. And that makes bad paintings a bad experience. And a lot of people just stop creating because the paint is not good. Mm. So we came up with a set that was actually great paints and we marketed it as like, hey, if you're getting started, this is really good paint at a very uh, fair price. And that's another thing that Etcher does. We are not trying to make super expensive stuff. We are trying to make kind of um, near luxury items. So the, the quality is really good, but we price them to be as affordable as possible. So as many people in the art community as possible can have them. Yeah. So that's why I identified with them. And that's why I'm still with them because they truly care about this community. Yeah, I love that it's solving problems. And it comes from like how you were saying experiences where you're like, this is a frustration and somebody needs to do something yeah. about this. Let's, let's figure this out. It's not simply, Hey, let's just flood the market. That's already flooded um, with more products mm -hmm. and more things and widgets and just sell the things because that's what you're supposed to do. Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's coming from a, a real world place and bringing solutions that, you know, you know that if you had that experience, you know that somebody else had that experience and is still having it. And so you're like, why not solve this problem? And to have a front row seat, I mean, how cool is that to be able to speak into those products and to be like, you know, here's, here's something that you're helping shape that becomes a resource for so many other artists. Um, that's gotta be like, that's gotta feel amazing. It does. And it really makes me happy and I feel like I'm, I'm contributing with something positive. And after working there for two to three years, uh, the conversation came up and they were like, what if Etcher also taught, like, what if we created a platform for art learning? And Simon and Yen were very honest, like, how do you even do a business like that? And immediately I'm like, oh, you can do it like this. You can do it like that. We can do the classes like this. And, and here's a bunch of ideas that I learned, you know, because I was working at an online school. And after that online school, I worked with Steven Silver and I helped him manage his own online school. And I'm like, I know a bunch of stuff that we can do. So we trial and tested and came up with ideas. They did the numbers because that's what they do. And I, I like, they, they, they are teaching me a lot, but I'm like, dang, that's uh, <laughs> magic. Ah, uh, wizards. And now we have a platform for learning and it's not like we're trying to teach people, but we partner with artists that can teach people and we give them a place to teach. And again, try to make it as affordable as possible. So yeah. Yeah. It's, and the fact that you had all this experience and then it came into, oh, I know how to do that. I, it, it, this, this sense of like, it's been, you've been prepared for this. And yeah. um, that's another thing that I love hearing about your story because 
I think so many times, especially when, like we said, you know, we're creative people are the comic people. We do a lot of different things. We have a lot of different expressions. And sometimes that can make you feel like you have a bunch of random pieces laying around mm-hmm. and you're really not sure where it all fits together. You don't know what the the narrative even is sometimes of like, is that, is there something that holds this together? Or is it just that like, I got bored and I just started doing this and then I had this opportunity. So I started doing that. And then I have this skill set because of whatever, you know, but having the opportunity to then see, oh, now there's alignment for you in what you're doing um, and being able to use your past experiences. And, and, and it sounds like being on a team where everybody is owning their piece of the pie. You know, they have their lane where it's like, if somebody is more business-minded and they're good with numbers and budgets, they're contributing on that front. If it's you have the insights uh, about the, the teaching and, and the skills of an artist and you can bring that perspective, then you're contributing that. And I think that's when, that's when everybody wins when they're being themselves and they're contributing what is in their skill set and their interests and it's coming together so that you're building something greater than you could do even on your own, you know? Yeah. So true. Our so, best work yeah. is done when we get the right people together. Absolutely. Absolutely. So talk to me a little bit about like what, what else is coming? Is there anything you can hint at? Is there anything that you, you guys are thinking about that like, um, hey, this is something that, that would, you know, we're, we're thinking about exploring, um, you know, because it sounds like you're in a place where there's opportunity to continue to grow and try different things. You know, it's not just products, but now it's, you know, it's, it's teaching classes and it's having resources. Um, so is there anything else that, that maybe is of interest that you can talk about, obviously, because, you know, I understand sometimes there's things that are hush hush and you can't really reveal yet. So we're not asking you to spill any secrets. <laughs> yeah, I can talk a little bit about what's coming. We don't have a deadline, a timeline for launch yet, but what I'm working on right now is a learning platform still for etcher but uh, geared towards kids so we're doing we're calling it etcher studio kids and we're creating it uh, me alongside two members of my team and we're coming up with content that is great for children from ages six to eight and nine to twelve where we just decided that we are how, how can we segment the content so it's fit for those ages so it's not too much too overwhelming or too little and too like baby like for the kids so how are we going to do that and uh it's it's really exciting i'm really looking forward to launching it maybe in a couple of months uh but yeah we're going to have a free version of it because we really want to put content out there that is good for them and we're working on the kinds of classes we want to do as well so that is that is really exciting love it love it it's new territory and um continuing to solve problems meet needs uh i think you know as long as you keep going in that direction you'll just keep uncovering more and more opportunities to help people. And, uh, and, and you know what, like, that's, that's the awesome thing. Cause that's the ripple effect, right? Like you guys create something that is a tool or a resource for somebody, even at a young age. And who knows what that person is going to go on to do and to create and how they're going to have impact in the world. Um, so I love it when I get to talk with people who are, aligned in that kind of thinking and heart um, because it, it is, you know, we're all connected. Right. Um, and to just 
cheer each other on in our creative processes and in our own individual experiences, but so that there's a collective good that's happening. I mean, I think that's what it's all about. So we're uh, about the top of our time here, but I'd love to ask you one last question. And that would be through all the experiences you've had and the transitions, what is something that you have learned? Maybe it's a piece of advice that somebody gave you that has really been instrumental in helping you succeed and just really leaning into who you are as a creative person and, you know, um, that maybe you'd love to just pass along to somebody else today who's, who's in that place needing some advice. That's great and a tough uh, question. Yeah. <laughs> One thing, I think I know what I wanted to say, but again, I love to talk, so I need to give some context. So as you've heard throughout this whole journey, it, it was not a straight line. It was a lot of loops and going back in order to go ahead. And it was crazy carousel ride, crazy. Uh, another thing that happened that I just want to leave here is I did a course for children's books, um, writing and illustration with uh, the art director, Giuseppe Castellano. Then he reached out to me. I'm like, hey, I know you do this and do that. I'm trying to launch a podcast. Can you help me? And I'm like, sure. And I helped him. And now I'm teaching social media at his school, which is another thing that came up because of connections. And and I never, ever thought about teaching a social media course ever. And he's like, you are the perfect person to teach this. And I'm like, am I? And I'm like, I don't know anything I can teach. And then I started like, I mean, if I was going to teach anything, maybe we'd start here and I can talk about this. And I was talking to a few friends and they were like, I'd pay to hear about that. I'm like, okay, so maybe that's another thing I can do. So all of that to say, even though society, the society we live in, it's still, it's changing, but it's still very formatted to get you into school go into a good university, find one career path, and it's a straight line up to the top and you have to do it like this, otherwise you're gonna fail. And if you fail, you are a burden to the society and it's grace to your parents and you're not doing anything in life. That's not true. If there's one thing I learned is that nothing can be taken for granted. Even though you feel like you have a very secure job, it can just disappear the following day, you have no idea. Security is nothing but an illusion. And I'm not saying this to make you feel depressed or anxious. I'm saying this to embrace the freedom that comes with it. So if you want to learn something, do it. If something calls you, even if it feels like it's completely unrelated to your main goals right now, it might not be. And the weirdest and most disparate things sometimes can come together to create something very unique. The kind of skill set I have is very uncommon, and that's what probably makes it very valuable. So if you want to learn something, go ahead and, and, and put your heart and soul into it. And just because you are onto a path right now does not mean it's the path that you have to do your whole life. So, mm, Love it. That is valuable insight. Uh, I'm so glad that you shared that. And I'm sure that somebody listening just now got chills because they're like, they needed that word of encouragement today um, because maybe they've been feeling a little stuck. Maybe they've been feeling a little confused and not sure what to do with the pieces that are lying around them. And you've just 
beautifully frame that up for them to say, you know what, embrace that, keep going. Um, love it. Love it. And just one more thing. Yeah. Just one more thing. It does not, I'm not trying to say that it will click for you and then you feel like you have it all figured out because that never happens. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sometimes I still wake up and like, what on earth am I doing with my life? I'm like, am I happy? Yeah. Am I doing what I love? Yeah. Am I getting paid for what I love? Yeah. Okay. Then just uh, keep moving forward. Yes. So it's fine to feel a little bit anxious. Sometimes it's totally part of the process. You never reach this golden plateau where you have everything figured out. That's not true. That does not exist. Yes. Yeah. The finish line just keeps getting moved. Uh, you just keep showing up, keep, keep engaging, keep growing and exactly. keep serving for sure. For sure. So Leia, uh, some links on us now, uh, where can people find you, your artwork? Uh, how can they get involved maybe with some of the classes or products for at your lab? Um, yeah. Share some links with us. Yeah. Um, I have pretty much all the links on my website at anyamarks.com. That's A N. I-A-M-A-R-C-O-S.com. Uh, also, the link for my podcast is there. And you can check Etrelab out at etrelab.com and all the links are also there. Hopefully very clear to navigate. If it's not, let me know. <laughs> yeah, I'll put some of those in the show notes as well so people can just click and easily follow along. Check out the podcast as well because, hey, you're listening to a podcast right now. So, you know, what's one more? And you're right? my guest. Yes. Yeah, and yes. you're in my podcast as well. It's like podcast switcher. This is going to be, this is fun. <laughs> I love it because, you know, like we were talking before, even, you know, podcasts make certain things possible. And uh, this is one yeah. of those things too. Yeah. We would never have uh, met or interacted probably if it were not That's for so podcasts. True. So, a little plug for podcasts. <laughs> So thank you so much today. I love this conversation. I know that, again, it's going to help so many people. And um, keep doing the awesome work that you're doing, Anya. Appreciate it. Thank you. Likewise, Mike. Likewise. Thanks for listening today. I'd appreciate it if you would subscribe, leave a rating and a review. It really helps this podcast be seen and heard by others.